0: All right, it's Wednesday, October 31st, and this is the Fantasy Fantasy Finish Line podcast, episode number 23, trades, trades, trades.
1: Tell the people what you're talking about or else they'll just assume you have an STD.
0: Oh, come on. They know it's whiskey. They know it's whiskey. (laughs) Well, Dave, welcome to the show. Uh, It is you and I tonight. Uh, This is the Fantasy Finish Line podcast on drink5.com. I am Jason, joined as always by Dave. Uh, Tonight we're going to talk about uh, mostly the trade deadline, but, you know, we touch on all things fantasy uh, whenever we get together and have microphones in front of us. So, um, you know, Dave, what I want to ask you is what are you drinking? Cause I just had some whiskey and it burned. <laughs> so what do you got?
1: Sure. Well, I have a, a bottle of bourbon at my feet. I'm drinking a shock top tur- currently because, uh, I uh, I had a little bit too much to drink yesterday because <laughs> apparently I I just do all my drinking on Tuesday and Wednesday now. Tuesday and Wednesday, right. uh, and I've got a Lagunitas uh, something easy. So you can tell by those beers that tonight's not going to be uh, one that's uh, too tightly wound up with high ABV, high gravity beers, but they are uh, delicious just the same. And sometimes it's nice to have a Corona instead of a Dragon's Milk, you know.
0: Sure, yeah, I got the something easy in front of me as well, and I think I'll take it easy tonight as well. I, you know, I would say Saturday night was my big drinking night when we were at your concert. Uh, that was a good time, but I'm just kind of recovering from a cold, and uh, only you know you have to drink the right amount of whiskey to kill the germs. Otherwise, if you drink too much, you're you're not doing yourself any favors.
1: There you go. You're trying to find the the, <laughs> the right the right uh, prescription. It's called self-medication, Dave. I, I guess. That's a different show. <laughs> uh, but we have a lot to talk about. It was week eight uh, this previous week. Like Jason said, we're going to be talking about uh, a lot of the trades that just happened. It was The trade deadline was on Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern. So I know I was talking to a lot of my uh, uh, friends and, and cohorts that are involved in fantasy football or involved in... Um, uh fantasy sports in general about the nfl because
0: just appreciate the nfl
1: this is one of the big uh the big dates of the year a lot of big trades generally happen over the past couple years at this point it's funny that it takes this long for it to occur like everyone is is kind of working towards those directions and the managers are talking to the other team managers but it's it's this date right before uh and leading up to the trade deadline that all of them uh, tend to go through.
0: Sure. Well, I think a lot of teams just look at it as just give me one more week. We need one more game. We'll win that game. We'll keep going. We just need one more game, and uh, they don't realize that like after week five, they're really out of it. They don't. They don't think of it that way.
1: Yeah. You need in the NFL in general. Uh, you need to be um, at a 500 record or so if you're if you're planning on making the playoffs. A team that by week five is is going to be uh, one and four uh still thinks they're in it are generally fooling themselves
0: well you know that, that's very true however this year we may end up seeing uh was it houston started zero and three and they're now five and three on a five game winning streak they've got a two game lead in their division i believe uh you know we could see them make the playoffs this year I'm well you know my Steelers said the
1: same thing last year they started zero and two or zero and three and won like 10 games in a row yeah so it could certainly happen and I think a lot of teams do tend to play better after... congratulations
0: to you and your Steelers on that
1: one. Oh, thank you <laughs> well I mean if you're rooted for a particular team then then I would also say congratulations to you and they your are team.
0: my team sure uh,
1: I if, if anything it would be the Bears and you had said earlier this year right uh going off topic just a little bit that's you were more into the Bears this year than you have been in the past because of the situation that they're in, because of the coaching staff that they've they're hired. An
0: interesting team to pay attention to this year, absolutely.
1: So, have you been watching the games?
0: Um, not really. No. Oh, there you go. So, I mean, you know, I'll uh, still not a Bears fan. I'll throw it. <laughs> I'll throw it on. Um, with Red Zone Channel. But uh, last week I watched the Steelers and Browns instead of the Bears.
1: Well, it was a more entertaining game, I'm pretty sure, than the. Uh, than the Bears and the I Jets. did
0: not want to watch the Jets, and I don't want to watch the Bills next week, so I probably won't be watching the Bears next week either.
1: Gotcha. Well, speaking of uh, things that happened in Week 8, why don't we talk about a couple of items that did occur um, and some conversation about those things. So, one, I wanted to talk a little bit about Sammy Watkins. So, as we both know, Sammy Watkins came into the league a couple of years ago. He was drafted to the Bills, and Sammy Watkins on the Bills was was pretty good. Uh, if you, if you can pull him up, I don't have the stats in front of me. Yeah. What do you want to know? Let me know how he did that first year.
0: So in his rookie year, he had 65 catches for 982 yards, six touchdowns, but really his best year in Buffalo was year two in only 13 games. He had 60 catches, 1047 yards and nine touchdowns. Um, so that's a great season really. Uh, in only 13 games, you know, obviously, uh, you want a guy to stay on the field and, uh, Sammy has not been that guy for the most part. Uh, his rookie year, he started 16 games. It's the only year he has all 16 in.
1: So he was pretty good for the Bills, and he's always been a good receiver um, as far as like technical uh, side of things. When he was traded to the Rams, there were some issues there on that team. It almost seemed like, I know we've watched a lot of those games together um, last year, et cetera, mm-hmm. where it almost seemed like he was more of a distraction um, and certainly a field-stretching, big, wide receiver you have to put guys on. And he he got a couple long touchdowns. He had some good games, but is mostly saved by the touchdown kind of games. And when he was traded over to Kansas City, they they signed him for $48 million. And that's a big move for them, something that a lot of people were a little worried about. I, I happen to like him because I have him on some dynasty teams. I have some stock in, in Sammy. But also because those measurables are just so good. So for him now, he has Patrick Mahomes, who is um, statistically one of the best quarterbacks to ever start playing the game of football. Sure.
0: Well, let me give you a few numbers to back up what you're saying here. Uh, So last year, he had 70 targets and only 39 receptions. That was kind of like uh, Jared Goff was still learning how to stretch the ball, out, how to have a really long game. He's figured that out this year. So I think Sammy would be having the success if he was still on the Rams or you know where he is now in the Chiefs
1: because he's a good technical receiver, yeah. Right,
0: and with a good quarterback, he can be um you know a borderline great receiver. This year, his catch percentage is the highest he's had. So on only forty nine targets, he has thirty four catches. So he's almost at his reception total from last year with way fewer targets, uh, and he's catching the ball at sixty nine point four uh, percent, which is great you know that instills confidence in the quarterback and that means you're just going to get more passes
1: good stats so uh so he is definitely one of those guys where, because of what happened in the previous years, his his draft stock dropped a little bit. You were able to get him at a at a lower round, and now in week eight, when we look back, and he's been doing well, uh, as Jason said throughout the year, but particularly in week eight, I think we might we might even want to call it a breakout game. Was per- he
0: a little injured this year at all? Uh, he he has one game with like nothing going on.
1: He uh, he has come in and out of the game before with like a hamstring or something. Okay. Uh, not recently, though, I don't think. Um, yeah,
0: I'm thinking like week four against Denver. He only had one target and nothing, no catches.
1: Yeah. So uh, even before Tyreek Hill uh, left the game in the fourth quarter, um, Sammy Watkins was dominating the game, and he actually finished in week eight with nine targets, eight receptions, 107 yards, and two touchdowns.
0: Yeah, great line.
1: And almost all of that happened before the last quarter when Tyreek Hill left. So we can say a couple things. One, he's trending up on this team, and almost anybody would that can catch the ball because they're just a great offensive (laughs) passer. Because they
0: have, yeah. The the quarterback that is playing best this year uh, is uh, is his quarterback.
1: Yes. And the injury that Hill went out with was a groin strain. Has there been an update on that injury? Are you familiar?
0: Uh, I saw an update today. He was limited at practice. Uh, They don't think that it'll keep him from playing. Okay. It's just kind of like uh, he had you know, maybe tweaked a little bit and they just didn't want to put them back in the game to risk it. You know, they had the game last week. Uh, Kansas city won a very interesting game in that they did not score on their opening drive and they did not score in the fourth quarter. Two things that they've been very good at this year. Uh, but still they won 30 to 23.
1: Right. So Sammy is probably not going to become the number one there unless Tyreek does have a big injury. Uh, They're kind of an A-B, and they serve different purposes. But what's really great about Watkins is that there is enough uh, air yardage to be passed around, and he is definitely in every week start now going into the second half of the season. And that's something that people were just unsure of when we started off with this new Kansas City franchise uh, quarterback, Pat Pat Mahomes. So uh, I think we can... We can definitely uh, put Sammy Watkins squarely in that WR two category, and what's great is you got Hill as a one, Sammy Watkins as a two, Travis Kelsey as a TE one, got Kareem Hunt as an RB one, Patrick Mahomes as a QB QB one. one. So that team is just so
0: much fantasy fun on that team, just amazing. Yeah, Sammy Watkins is if you if you discount the one game where he did nothing uh, because he was hurt. Then he's averaging seven targets a week. I see that trending up a little bit. Uh, He may be pushing nine, ten targets a week uh, real soon here.
1: Yep. Uh, For the second thing I wanted to talk about is is the Colts. So the Colts have a whole bunch of draft picks and upcoming drafts. They have a whole bunch of of offensive players on their team right now, and they have an offensive line. And it's been a long time since they've had an offensive line. That's right. If you remember, Andrew Luck used to be that guy who kept getting you know the 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 most amount of sacks per game, and that's not happening anymore. Which is why we're seeing Andrew Luck trend up as a top ten quarterback where he should be, and it's really Isn't he great. Like
0: the QB two right now.
1: I'm not sure exactly what he is.
0: I, yeah, he's way up there. He's had a phenomenal year. Remember the beginning of the year. Uh, we didn't know if he could throw it down the field because they brought in uh, Jacoby Brissett to throw like the Hail Mary play at the end of the game. But yeah, he's uh, he's ahead of Cam Newton, Matt Ryan. Now those guys only have seven games in their under their belt. But uh, Andrew Luck, you know, adjusted for number of games played, still a top five quarterback this year.
1: So again, we talk about these teams with good quarterbacks, and of course, all the people that filter down from that are going to be good fantasy plays. Well, you have Eric Ebron, who keeps scoring touchdowns. You've got Marlon Mack, who's finally healthy, and the best running back they've had there in a very long time. Frank Gore is a workhorse, but Mack will make things happen. He actually creates value out of nothing. Um, And you've also got T.Y. Hilton, who's had a little bit of a, a resurgence after coming back from his injury. Uh, In addition, there's Naheem Hines, who's been great in PPR leagues. And so now they have some players and they've got some points. They've scored at least 34 points in four of their last five games, which is great. And Luck has thrown for three or more touchdowns in each of those five games. Also throwing for the highest completion percentage of the year, despite having uh, one of the more uh, uh, injury-prone or plagued wide receiver groups.
0: Yeah, so the guy who... um couldn't throw for a year because his arm was falling off, is on pace to lead the league for throwing attempts this year.
1: Yeah, how crazy is that? Uh, you
0: know, crazy, yes. Smart, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> to to put a exclamation point on the thing you mentioned earlier, that he's got an offensive line, he is leading the league in sack percentage. Only 2.8% of the time is he being sacked. That's almost twice as good as any other point in his career.
1: That's great. And so I want to talk about those two offenses, and we have, uh, but anybody who's on those offenses that's trending up is someone that you want to target and keep on the last half of the season because they're just going to keep getting passes. This is what's happening. Mahomes and Luck are just chucking the ball, and that's what you want to be a part of.
0: Is Marlon Mack still a buy target, or are you thinking that he may even be too expensive now?
1: Well, when we talk about guys like Sammy Watkins, who just had what's arguably a breakout game, trading for them um, as a buy is a little difficult now because you're going to have to trade for him at his value as opposed to under it.
0: Well, I mean, it. You can always argue with the person you're trading with. Hey, that's just one game, blah blah blah. But what I'm asking you, I suppose, is do you expect Marlon Mack in this case his, uh, you know, his production to continue? Not two touchdowns and 200 yards a game but yes
1: what what i expect is is exactly that the problem with with mac the problem with mac is that he's injury prone and it's likely that sometime in the next you know six seven games he's going to have some kind of an injury that sidelines him. so what
0: you're saying is sell sell high
1: well i i don't know (laughs) just because it tends to happen doesn't mean it will happen yeah i just want everyone to know that it 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 has a high probability of happening with this particular Slightly player. Slightly
0: more likely than average.
1: But that said, if you trade the guy and then, you know, uh, uh, you end up getting close to the championship and you would have won if you had a good running back, you're going to kick yourself. So I know this is one of the things that you have a lot of issues with uh with trading is, you know, maybe you need to trade someone, but he's just doing so well for you that you can't bring yourself to do it. And then something happens to him, or he trends down, or in Dynasty he retires. You know those kinds of things. Lost your
0: moment? Sure. This uh, just last week. This is a good moment. I was shopping Marlon Mack in the Drink Five League. I didn't really get anywhere with that, so I started him for the second week in a row, and he's done so damn well. I'm now in that position where it's like, well, you know, he plays Jacksonville in Tennessee. Maybe I'll just keep him.
1: But you should keep shopping him because if you could get someone else like um carry on johnson a, or or something like that for sure. for for him who's more consistent uh who hasn't shown those same issues you know that would be great
0: what i need is a wide receiver if you want to hook up afterwards <laughs> we'll make a deal
1: well, let's talk a little bit more about running backs adrian peterson 33 years old he's been fantastic he's probably gonna blow past a thousand yards which in a, in a place where a 33 year old you know we never would have thought this would happen because we saw what happened to him last year. He came out in a burst of fire uh and then he turned into smoke uh and you know the next guy up <laughs> is is what happened. But he's on track now um to to have another really good pinnacle season in his career and he's currently 5th in the league in rushing and he's rushed over 95 yards in 5 uh of his last 7 games.
0: Yeah, I mean he has at least 95 yards in uh yes. Yes, that's the, that's the season, so is seven games for him. i like <laughs> I'm how looking at it, I'm, like, he's checking me I'm like, no, 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 but it's this and this. Oh, yes, the, he's played seven games.
1: He's adding it up sense. for you folks, so just in case I got it wrong. Dave's he's... math
0: is correct. But 587 <laughs> yards in a year already, that's pretty good. Well, it's uh, better than
1: pretty good for Adrian Peterson. It's something that's unexpected completely from uh, fantasy experts, myself included. And what can we say other than, I'm sorry, Chris Thompson and Chris Thompson owners?
0: Yeah, that's a shame. I mean, he was very uh, um, touted going into this season based on what he did last year, Thompson was. Um, but you can't argue with Adrian Peterson averaging about uh, averaging better than 100 yards from scrimmage per game.
1: Well, you know, I mean, he's he's great. Chris Thompson has always been great, but he's one of those guys they want to keep around for a long time. And if there is a bell cow running back like AP that can take uh, – can take all of the snaps well Chris can get healthy he can sit there and he can come back at the end of the season because Washington's doing rather well um, they're
0: winning games <laughs> let's not <laughs> let's not say they're doing well
1: I think they're doing far better than than we would have given them credit for maybe um before the season started
0: sure they've only broken 30 points once though
1: yeah they're winning games you're right uh let's talk about uh DJ Moore Uh, I talked to you about him recently. I was actually comparing him uh, to Devontae Parker for rest of season. The reason why I was doing that is because uh, in a PPR league, I was going to drop Robbie Anderson, who's still having injury difficulties and hasn't performed at a high level with his new quarterback, Mm -hmm. for another guy that might be trending up higher as an upside target. So we talked about Devontae Parker and DJ Moore. I think we both agreed that Moore was, uh, even though he's a rookie and we don't know much about him in the NFL, He's a guy that has a, a bigger opportunity to be consistently good.
0: Yeah, I mean, Moore is, uh, is the kind of player that they just want to get the ball in his hands. He has rushing attempts in all but two of the games that he's played, uh, and his yards per carry is like 14.2. So he actually does something with the ball when he gets it. Uh, he's returned punts in most games. He returns kicks in a few games. So if you're in a league that gives you a little bit extra for that, that's always a good thing. Um, But one of the things that sticks out to me is 75% catch rate, which means as a rookie, he's making sure that he's securing the ball, he's catching it, he's going to earn the trust of uh, Cam Newton, and with the injury to uh, Torrey Smith, he's just going to be on the field even more. So DJ Moore, great little pickup this week, Um, I like him along with Cortland Sutton, who I've I suspect you're going to bring up, or we'll bring him up in a little while. No,
1: I'm not going to talk about that yet because it's part of the trade talk, but right. we're, we're getting there in a minute. Um, I agree with your assessment about uh, Moore, and he's still a guy who is on some waiver wires as a free agent, and if he is, you should pick him up and just drop that underperforming bastard that you currently have. Is it, uh, it Allen Robinson in a redraft league? Is it Corey is Davis? Is it time to drop Allen Robinson? In redraft? Yes. Okay. Well, look, it was time two weeks ago. If he's not playing and uh, he hasn't had outstanding games, you drop him in a redraft. That's what you do, right?
0: Fair enough. I should have. He's not helping you. <laughs> I, I was unable to bring myself to drop him. Like you
1: can't trade him, and you can't, you can't do anything with him. And he still doesn't have a timetable. He may come back, and I think he will. He's not
0: practicing today, though. So uh,
1: he may come back, and I think he will in the next week or two. And the Bears, um, you know, need. A little bit of stability because they're kind of chaotic offensively, but honestly, I think that's kind of what the offensive coordinator is trying to do.
0: Yeah, they want the chaos. Mitch actually isn't that great at throwing the ball down the field. He's not that it's, good of a quarterback. It's a lot of yards after catch.
1: He just scores you thirty-five fantasy points. He's again. just a
0: really good fantasy quarterback. <laughs> and if the NFL is turning into fantasy football, then Mitch Trubisky is a good quarterback.
1: Well, we'll see. I'm confused. He he might not do so well this particular week just because as of someone who, who lives in
0: Chicago, seeing a quarterback. Uh, succeed week after week is confusing to
1: me. Yeah. Uh, Jameis Winston, talking about quarterbacks, is, is apparently um, a robot Bench. that only throws interceptions. <laughs> and he threw four interceptions against Cincinnati and has thrown ten picks now in three and a half games. And so Fitzpatrick is coming back in. Now this has happened multiple times this year and I would not be surprised if it happens again, but like I just told one of our uh, guests that we have on the show quite often... Uh, Vince he has Fitzpatrick and Winston on his dynasty team and I told him I think at this point they're, they're they have to just bench Winston for the remainder of the season as long as Fitzpatrick is healthy because they can't continue to go back and forth that's not healthy for the team right.
0: going back and forth you're not going to be able to teach anybody anything and it sounds like from a monetary standpoint similar to the Sam Bradford thing in Arizona um, it's in the team's best interest to go ahead and bench him and not play him so that he doesn't get injured, so they can cut him at the end of the year for no penalty.
1: Yep, and I think we'll we'll see uh, this week and next week what happens with, with that as far as can Fitzpatrick have another little streak, but we know what happens with Fitzpatrick, which is that he's a streaky quarterback that by all means could be a QB1 for the next two, three, four games, but will eventually become awful again at some point this season. So the point is, Everyone had just dropped Fitzpatrick. So pick him up and play him if you don't have an Andrew Luck. If every you every game that if Ryan you don't Fitzpatrick have Patrick
0: uh... has started and ended, he threw for four hundred yards or more.
1: <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing.
0: So um he's a fun he's he's fun to watch.
1: Uh, I've got a couple more things, and then we'll move into trade matters. And I do, I do see people in the chat room there. I understand that, that not all people think that Fitzpatrick is great.
0: Um, <laughs> how democr- how uh, diplomatic of you, Dave.
1: I, I think uh, someone in the chat room thinks he's poo-poo, and I understand. He's poo-poo. Uh, he does become shit, but he starts off really good. So let's ride the wave, shall we? Um, Larry Fitzgerald matters in fantasy again. And he was fantastic on Sunday with eight catches, 102 yards, a touchdown, and a two-point conversion. Now, I don't know exactly what's going to happen over the year, but what we know right now is that switching up offensive coordinators was helpful to David Johnson and Larry Fitzgerald, and we see this oftentimes when you get a coach that gets fired, especially a coach that's, um, that's very high-profile within the team, and, uh, and, and they shake it up a little bit, and everybody can get like a little bit of a, a reset button. Yeah. And I think that's what's happening here. And I don't think Arizona's going to suddenly be great, but I do think that Fitzgerald, um, now that the new OC is trying to actively get him involved again, is going to have a resurgence.
0: Well, this is what you get when you force-feed the ball to him. It works. He had 12 targets, highest of the year, eight receptions, highest on the year, yards, highest on the year. Um, I, I think that, obviously, when they can play a team like San Francisco... Uh, the game script is going to be: give the ball to Larry, give the ball to David, and we'll win by doing that. You know, we'll win by attrition almost. Obviously, they're not going to win their next game against Kansas City.
1: Um, no, but it, they're going to have to throw it to, going Larry, to throw Larry a lot, the hell out of the ball, and they're going to have to right. give it to David a lot, and that's their new offensive coordinator, Byron Leftwich is just like, well, give the ball to David, give the ball to Larry, yeah. And that's awesome for those of you who still have them on, on your teams.
0: Why is there no Larry David meme for uh, the, that team? For
1: Arizona. You should create that meme, I think. You can, this can happen. It could happen. He could be born here today. Uh, the last thing I have to mention is the Browns. So the, oh, we
0: got so far without mentioning the... No, that's the that's <laughs> The
1: Browns finally... Uh, um, the Browns are poo-poo. They finally kicked Hugh Jackson into that icy cold water and, Get didn't, out of here! and didn't bring him back in. Um, which they should have done the first time, and I don't mean to say anything and bad. And the but second time. When he took that icy and the dip, third time. they should have just asked him to stay in.
0: Some fun no- no numbers on Hugh Jackson. He has a career head coaching record in Cleveland of 3-36-1. Hugh Jackson is 0-20 on the road.
1: Oh, he's terrible.
0: It is just absurdly bad. They haven't won uh, a road game since 2015, I believe, in, like, October not even like oh well they won at the end of the year they're fine um so yeah the browns so they
1: they they were in games that were winnable all season and they were again beaten by the Steelers, as they always are the second game of the season and after that point they fired their coach and so they did that again
0: yeah i mean everyone thinks they probably should have fired the coach last year um, but he won the power struggle with the GM and then the GM won the power struggle this time.
1: So they also fired Todd Haley, which I think is a mistake because he is actually a good offensive coordinator as annoying of a guy. He is
0: right. He's just an annoying, he, he's an asshole. Let's be
1: honest. But the coach that they hired, uh, at least for the interim is not someone that, uh, that we think should be in that position. And the Browns are not going to have, you know, we talked about Arizona. They fired their offensive coordinator. They got a new one. The team was a little shaken up. And then it was a positive thing that occurred. That's not going to be the case here, in my opinion. I think the Browns just uh, go, go down, down, down the rest of the season.
0: Uh, so who wound up taking over? Was it Zampizi or Saunders, the uh, position coaches there? Or did they have someone else come and be the OC? For who? for the Browns
1: oh I'm I'm not sure but uh Greg Williams is the interim head coach
0: uh Freddie Kitchens is the new offensive coordinator
1: yeah that makes sense
0: I you know I have no idea
1: (laughs) I'm just saying I don't think that this is a good move at all um I think they should have stuck with uh with Hugh and Haley for the rest of the year I mean I I just don't understand what positive is going to come of this at all so uh, good luck to you Browns fans. If you have Browns fantasy players on your team, you're just stuck in uh, a limbo of terrible fantasy football uh, production. And it's like Njoku had zero last week. And I
0: think that there, there is...
1: You're going to get more of that.
0: There's fantasy relevance there.
1: Yeah, good luck, man.
0: I mean, they won a, they won a <laughs> couple games this year. Sure. They're not the Browns of old. Yes, they're, they are. They're not as bad. Yes, they are. They will be now. They're the same. They will be now. They're
1: terrible. They will be. (laughs) They're terrible. To the Browns. To the Browns.
0: it was a fun day right just hit refresh on Roto World all day long trying to you know be the first one to see the trade news right
1: no that's not what i did uh, but I...
0: you did it for brief periods of time i'm guessing
1: no no no. if you want to find out news before Roto World or any other aggregate websites find it you have to actually follow the people on twitter that break the news oh so
0: you just stare at so so you you work and then have another screen with twitter
1: that's right Ah, I so, got it. So TweetDeck is a good application uh, for those of you out yeah, there. Tweet deck's it's stuff. an online application where I could just have like hashtag NFL uh, trade deadline um, and hashtag fantasy football and a couple of other ones and just watch them scroll by. I follow guys like uh, Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter, but also some lesser-known Twitter personalities that are beat reporters for those individual teams. And I've always wanted to, to put an article out there um or or a podcast about like who specifically to follow, so maybe i 'll try to do that at some point later this season or have a little segment tell on it tell
0: us all of your secrets Dave
1: well, you know <laughs> the thing about uh about secrets as far as fantasy football or anything else really uh is that anyone can tell you how they they do a good job, but the way to actually do it is to follow up follow up with it and actually do you those check things. and see if they do a good job. Yeah, I mean, you can you can follow all those people on Twitter, but if you're not on Twitter and interacting and looking at it, then it doesn't do you any good, right? Right. So it's yeah. just like I
0: mean, you have to use the information; you can't just have it, right? So yeah, the trade deadline uh, it, it doesn't generally swing the NFL as a league or even swing teams that much. Uh, the, the trades that get made at the deadline, obviously, uh, there are occasionally trades like the Khalil Mack trade that makes an enormous difference to a team. Um, but the trades in the NFL can swing the balance in your fantasy league. Um, so we're going to look at five trades that happened over the last couple weeks. Two of them happened a couple weeks ago. So we have a game or two to look at and see how the teams have reacted and try to judge where they're going to go from there. And we have three other trades that we're going to look at and uh, try to figure out, uh, go a little Nostradamus and see uh, what how the teams are going to deal with the uh, new situation they're in. Mm-hmm. Uh so starting it out, we had Carlos Hyde traded from the Browns to the Jaguars. Um so on the Jaguars, they had Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette is a huge part of that offense. Probably more important than Blake Bortles uh because they win when Fournette plays. Uh they are 2 and 0 when Fournette plays and they're like 1 in however many damn losses, 1 in 5 when they're not when he's not there. Uh so obviously they need to have a strong presence Presence in the backfield to help Blake Bortles because they cannot rely on the passing game there. Um, so they they acquired Carlos Hyde, and one of the things I didn't really uh, realize with all the turmoil in Cleveland is that maybe they just traded Carlos Hyde as a way to force the coaching staff to use Nick Chubb, a la Moneyball. Uh, if you guys have seen Moneyball, uh, Brad Pitt's character does that. trades away the guy that the manager likes to force the manager to play the guy that the GM likes. Um, So it's a money ball move. It's probably the right move for the Browns to make. They don't need Carlos Hyde because they're rebuilding. Um, So uh, the fantasy impact is what we care about, right? Um, Over on the Jaguars, uh, really what you're going to see is that Hyde and Fournette are going to split work, right? Until one of them shows what's going on.
1: Fournette's still the guy. If he's actually healthy, I think he'll take over the role. But I agree with you. Um, Because he was injured, etc., I think uh, Fournette and Hyde will split carries until one person shows more than the other one.
0: Sure, if he's actually healthy. Uh, the, The problem with Fournette this year is that he only has 90 scrimmage yards in two games. Uh, he's got a hamstring injury, so that injury may be lingering. It may have been causing him problems all year.
1: This is going to happen every year. The same thing happened last year. It's just that it, they decided that that they didn't want to rest him for long enough to actually heal the injury. And every single year, he's going to have the same uh, hamstring injury, and that's that's really unfortunate. Um, but man, you know, if he's healthy, he's 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 the guy.
0: Yeah, and and that's what they really need because Carlos Hyde. Uh, not that great he they they only hit him the ball six times against the eagles so i think that's maybe game flow and it was just his first game in um but all year Hyde is only averaging 3.3 3 yards per carry he only has six catches this year and those are all in cleveland last year he had 59 catches so for some reason he's not involved at all in the passing game uh when that used to be uh you know one of his strengths
1: well you know who's involved in the passing game right
0: well, that's T.J. Yeldon,
1: seven for eighty-three last week.
0: Yeah, that was nice. Um, so the way I look at this shaking out is that T.J. Yeldon is eventually going to be the odd man out when Fournette comes back, um, if he comes back.
1: I think it might be a three-headed monster, which is what fantasy heads don't want. Um, this might be Yeldon gets some passes, and Fournette and Hyde split the short yardage and goal line work. And what do you have there then? You've got Hyde
0: does have five touchdowns this year. I could see them leaving him in at the goal line. You've got nothing then. Yeah, Fournette, Fournette <laughs> does the work. Hyde Vultures the touchdowns. TJ Yeldon gets the third down catches.
1: Yeah, and then literally no one is playable except maybe Yeldon every other game in PPR or something crazy.
0: But if you're if you're so uh, adept and into watching or into playing fantasy football, then you probably know to stay away from the Jaguars right now. I hope so, anyway. Because that's what I'm going to recommend is just stay away from the Jaguars.
1: Yeah, it's been chaotic. It'll continue to be chaotic. They might have a big game, and then the next, uh, you know, the next week they'll be uh, nine points or something. I actually do like their kicker a lot, who's been good for me on a team. Uh-huh. Um, but but that's because and and uh, um, symptomatic of problems with the the offense scoring touchdowns. So
0: yeah, I, I mean. If there's an offense that's not scoring touchdowns, there is no fantasy value unless their name is Odell Beckham Jr. Or the kicker. Or the kicker. Well, especially (laughs) with the kicker, then. That's what I'm talking about. I don't consider kickers fantasy players. I'm sorry.
1: Well, then you probably lose several points every week.
0: (laughs) Well, I don't bench them, (laughs) Uh, So the Browns' fantasy impact kind of looks like this. Nick Chubb, stock way up. He is the starter. He's kind of... Uh, like I said, perhaps the reason why they wanted to get rid of Hyde so that Chubb could take that role. Um, They would be well advised, in my opinion, to give Chubb the ball a lot. He's got 18 carries in the last two games. Those are the ones where Hyde is gone. Um, And on the year, he's averaging 6.1 yards per carry. Uh, With over 50 attempts, that qualifies him to be the best in the league at the moment. Uh, So I expect him to keep getting the ball. It will be a little dependent on game flow, but uh, over the next three games, the Browns are playing the Chiefs, the Falcons, and the Bengals. All teams, all three of those teams are in the top eight uh, of points against for running backs, meaning they're giving up lots of points to opposing running backs.
1: Well, not only that, but the fact that the Browns suck and the, the Browns uh, coach was just fired and, and adding on top of that this trade like we're talking about um it's really it's let all the rookies play and develop exactly exactly and uh and, and that
0: does look like a good running
1: back that's what's going to happen so if you if you were one of those lucky people um i grabbed him in a couple leagues uh, i think most of you probably did if you play in multiple leagues yeah. but when the news hits that's one of those things you have to pick him up if he's a free agent that's
0: why you follow these guys on twitter
1: right um and or or us you know we made an announcement as well so that's always good
0: sure that helps but we didn't you know the the news for the for the uh carlos hyde thing broke on a friday uh and we didn't talk to people till the following wednesday
1: well i i do have a presence on social media too but yes the, pod, oh, true. the podcast is only us, on wednesday you yeah. can
0: follow us at drink five how <laughs> could i forget
1: um but i don't make the announcement until i picked him up in my league so you know
0: Hey, we we always promise to give everyone the uh our, our unfiltered advice for fantasy uh football and it just, you know, there's no time element to that. <laughs> That's all. That's our exception.
1: But yeah, I think um there there's a lot of younger talents on that team and the only one you can really play right now is Nick Chubb. So I would agree that he is uh a quality maybe uh RB2 candidate for the rest of the season and he'll have some big games and some that are uh, di- dictated by game script, not, not very good. Sure. So uh, the
0: other running back there that is affected is Duke Johnson, uh, but I would even argue that uh, his effect has been minimal on the season, so he's not going to be affected that much. Um, even in the last two games, he's not getting on the field. There's a chance that with the new regime, they try to get him the ball more to be more of the flex PPR guy that we saw last year. But Johnson's stats are down in basically every single category this year, um, and he cannot be counted on, in my opinion. So Duke Johnson may be someone to hold on to in deeper leagues, but you're not starting him yet, not until uh, that offense gets in some sort of rhythm. Okay. All right, next trade is Amari Cooper was traded from the Raiders to the Cowboys. Um, And non-fantasy-wise, the biggest issue with this trade is how much the Cowboys gave up to get amari cooper the cowboys are not a good team this year i don't care how what jerry jones how close he thinks they are to the rams they're not
1: uh but he's right that they don't have a number one wide receiver which i think is the reason why they they handed so much over for him
0: sure but you know that first round pick could wind up being like a top 10 pick and it's just way too valuable for amari cooper in my opinion um cooper has really fallen off of a cliff um moving right into the cowboys fantasy impact uh for for cooper in his first uh 24 games he broke 100 yards nine times in his last 30 games he's only done it four times uh he has that one great game last year where he went for like three touchdowns and 200 yards and that's really the only thing he has to hang on his mantle at this point um so he was drafted fourth overall in 2015 he should be better than he is But I say do not count on Amari Cooper to be fantasy relevant at all. I I don't see it there on that team. They got him in order to relieve some pressure. I shouldn't say that. Uh, They got him to be the wide receiver one. You're absolutely right. Of course he's fantasy relevant. He's going to play on this team. I don't think he's a guy that you can start. And therefore, I am not going to be getting him. There are obviously guys in the league that are fantasy relevant that... um, You know, may or may not do anything.
1: You just Cooper's still owned by a lot of teams, so it's not like he's sitting on the wire. He's
0: relevant in that matter. He's a name people are going to have, and
1: he's going to be fantasy relevant as well because even Kelvin Benjamin is fantasy relevant, and that's a WR one who's not good at football right now.
0: He only owns the buffet.
1: (laughs) So, uh, I mean, Amari Cooper. If you're looking at Week Two, he had ten targets. Week Four, he had twelve targets. the The other weeks, he had three, five, one, and one. When he gets the targets, he becomes fantasy relevant. He can even have big games, and Dallas is going to be no different. The problem is, and what I think you're trying to get at, which I agree uh, with, is that he's going to be again the 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 kind of term that I don't like to associate with my fantasy team, which is chaotic. And he may have a game where he scores 140, he has 140 yards and a touchdown on 10 passes, and that's great. But then the next game or two, he's going to have a total of, of eight targets for you know 60 yards. I so the problem is you don't know when to start him. Not that he's not fantasy relevant. It's that he's a streaky, chaotic wide receiver.
0: I, I would almost disagree. He's not even streaky. He maybe has one 100-yard game in him for the rest of the year. He's got a worse quarterback in a worse situation. He was the number one the whole time in Oakland. It's not like he's moving to a different role. I
1: I don't think he has a
0: better quarterback in Derek Carr. I don't think in he's, Oakland. I
1: don't think he he moves up in the ranks. I just think they're going to pepper him with targets.
0: Maybe that, that that would be the only way to save his fantasy relevance. But I I feel like there's going to be games where he gets. Uh, three targets because they're running the hell out of the ball and they have a lead.
1: Well, the Raiders have Jordy Nelson, and he's at least an, a guy who has been a wide receiver one, for example. But the Cowboys have Cole Beasley and a rookie, and that's all they have. So Amari Cooper is not just stepping into the WR1 position. He's stepping into a spot uh, that that he has no competition in. And And so I agree with you. It's going to be tough, and we'll have to watch this one but he will be fantasy relevant the problem is uh you're not going to want to be starting him because yeah. you don't want to have the floor of four points
0: i suppose uh one one of the things that uh i really like um is when you look at you know the the repla- when you look at a player versus what a generic replacement would be i feel like amari cooper is definitely below what any sort of generic replacement would be able to do in this you know if you take average joe wr One on any of the 32 teams they are going to be better in this role than Amari Cooper would be so I
1: I just don't let Kelvin Benjamin
0: (laughs) (laughs) Kelvin Benjamin is below average let's leave it there Um, so uh over on the Raiders um the Raiders only have played once since the trade um and they were down by multiple scores in that game they still put up 28 points uh what was interesting though and not interesting but you know what ended up happening they got rid of a wide receiver so in the game where they scored 28 points and they throw it a lot because they're down there was only seven receptions spread amongst four wide receivers uh jordy nelson had only one catch he's kind of the biggest name there brandon the i was surprised last week to find out that he still has a job in the nfl <laughs> um he is not gonna Me be too. the guy there uh jalen richard or is it richard um, it's Richard. It's Richard, so he can be on the all-French team. Great. That's right. Uh, Along with
1: Alan Robinson, who speaks French. Oh, that's nice. Parlez-vous you know, français.
0: All right. <laughs> um,
1: we're adding every day. We're adding. I should
0: really learn a little bit of French if I'm going to keep talking about the French team. We oui. oui. Uh, so Richard last week did have eight receptions. Uh, it may be that he is one of the few players who has a positive fantasy change uh, based on this trade. So uh, the Raiders are bad. They should feel bad about that because they're a terrible team. And uh, the Raiders have a very faithful fan base. Um, however, you know, however ridiculous they may be, they're very faithful to the team. They don't deserve what the Raiders are giving them this year.
1: Well, I'll tweet them to to reinforce uh, that they should feel bad about uh, about their performance.
0: Just the team, <laughs> not the fans. I don't want to get them mad.
1: Good fans, bad team. All right. right. Uh, so That's the Browns.
0: I could see. Yeah, I'll give you that. I mean, if you live in Cleveland and you're like a diehard fan of one of those terrible teams, good for you. I can't do that.
1: Well, it's got to be the only time where a national uh, brand, international brand, uh, went around and put like tons of beer just everywhere, locked up in chains. <laughs> yeah. Just, just so that they could unlock it as soon as they got their first win. I, I know, having worked in doing some marketing, that that company. Um, would never, ever have done that if they thought the Browns uh, had any chance of being a good team this year. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you got You can't do that and then have them win in, like, week two. No. They were probably nervous, like, oh, great, they're going to win in week one and we're never going to get any publicity on this. Right. Yeah, they got to just sit there for a couple months, gather a little bit of dust.
1: Also, Bud Light doesn't cost anything, so they were good there, too.
0: It comes out of the faucet in a lot of municipalities. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which would be an improvement on some other municipalities.
1: It's well watered. It's 3.7% ABV. <laughs> Just kind
0: of sits there and ferments. Um, so I, I, I don't see anyone else other than Richard uh, benefiting from this trade on the Raiders. Is there anyone on the Raiders even, Dave, that you like for fantasy football? Is Doug Martin took you your fancy at all?
1: That's an interesting question. Um, I, I actually do like uh, Jordy Nelson. And uh, I think that he will be relevant in some weeks. The problem is, again, that it's uh, that it's chaos, and John Gruden is uh, another purveyor of chaos, much like Hugh Jackson, you know, uh, much like a lot of these coaches. So even though I do think Jory Nelson will have big weeks, and he already has, he's not he has big week. He's not going to uh, well. Sure. Well, once again, he had two weeks with eight targets where he did pretty well. The other weeks didn't have a bunch of targets and. And that's that's what happens, but uh, but I don't think the team is operating at a high enough level to have a wide receiver one that works uh, well there, and and I don't think that Jordy Nelson, um, you know, the aging Jordy Nelson. <laughs> I'm drawing a picture of him like he's 64 years old with a cane. He's not. But he when they say things him. like when they say things like uh, uh, in I think in uh, in the preseason or maybe it was just one of the week's practices, there was a beat reporter that was like, that looked like 28-year-old Jordy Nelson. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> if, you're, if you're saying that that's like the young spry Jordy Nelson is a 28-year-old Jordy Nelson, then clearly he is not only past his prime, but uh, just about done with it's football. It's
0: funny because 28-year-old Jordy Nelson is right in between when he's been when he was really good. <laughs> he was really good when he was 26 and then like 29 and 31, but not when, like 28 was just a good year. But not one of those great ones.
1: I gotcha. <laughs> well, I actually last week we talked a little bit about Nelson, so I will move on. But I uh, I did want to mention that uh, that specifically uh, he has uh, some stats here. One moment,
0: Jordy Nelson regarding what? I got him up. What you want to know?
1: No, I actually have notes to cover. Just a second.
0: Oh, fantastic. Jordy Nelson. Only 23 receptions this year, three touchdowns.
1: You just have the negative uh, stats, I guess. I just
0: have the stats. The stats are the stats, Dave. The facts don't lie. This is
1: like Republican and Democrat. Like, we both have facts. They're just a little bit different and spun a little bit differently.
0: Dude, I wish that there was, like, a statistics page. We could just go to look up all of the things that everybody argues about. That, That does exist in fantasy football. It does not exist in life.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, so Jordy Nelson, what I said about him last week, which was interesting is yeah, he's only scored three touchdowns so far. Uh, week three was, uh, six receptions for 173, but, uh, it's the chaos that was the issue. And with Amari Cooper traded to the Cowboys, I thought that he should take over those targets immediately, et cetera. So if you have weeks three and four with 23.3 points and 12.8 points in standard scoring league with eight targets each then you'd assume that the Raiders would give him targets, which would result in fantasy points because this is how simple the equation is generally. Healthy receiver, healthy quarterback. Quarterback throws to the receiver. receiver if there's, if the there's ball. no problem, the receiver catches the ball. Right. So we, we think statistically uh, from like a junior high math perspective that um, Jordy Nelson should take over the wide receiver one spot. And that's not what we're seeing here. I think the problem has just as much to do with the dysfunctional uh, team management as it does with the healthy receiver and healthy quarterback. However, I agree with you that from this point on, um, you know, you can't count on him as a starter. And I think even lower of Jordy Nelson uh, than I do of Amari Cooper. Um, So
0: Nelson, I don't know why they're not using him. He has... Four targets in all those other games.
1: Yeah, if they're not going to regularly pass him the ball, then he's not going to score fantasy points, and you can't have him on your team.
0: And three targets in the game where they lost 27-3. Why aren't they throwing the ball in that game?
1: That's tough stuff, man.
0: So I I don't understand the Raiders very much. Like I said, they're bad, and they should feel bad. There you go. So on to uh, trades that happened on Tuesday. Uh, These are trade deadline day trades. I like saying the word trade. Um can we say it enough so that it makes no sense by the end of the show? Sure. Trades. Okay. <laughs> uh, Demarius Thomas went from the Broncos to the Texans. Um, so uh, his name was being bandied about for a lot of different teams. It would have been interesting if he went to like the Patriots. Uh, who were some of the other teams they were talking about? Probably the Eagles were interested in Thomas.
1: Receiver needy teams are yeah. the Jets and the, and the Texans and the Patriots. Um, and to a lesser extent now I guess the the Raiders and the Cowboys, but they had already figured out their uh, their trade. So. Sure. So, like, the Raiders say, how, how can we make ourselves worse?
0: This feels like a great trade for the <laughs> Texans, uh, at least on, you know, it looks that way anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, Thomas has kind of struggled this year, but he's getting an upgrade at quarterback, I would say. Case Keenum's good, uh, but Deshaun Watson can be great.
1: Case Keenum's not that good.
0: He's good enough to play in the NFL. I would say that we always <laughs> talk about the Andy Dalton line, blah, blah, blah. Case Keenum is that line.
1: Okay, year. yeah, I, I hear you. So
0: he's not probably going to win you a Super Bowl, but you're not going to like bench him yet.
1: Yep, G- you said good. Average quarterback, I agree with.
0: Okay, um, <laughs> <laughs> that's all I'm getting at. I don't want to inflate him too much.
1: Uh, he just he really loves Emmanuel Sanders. He has like posters of Emmanuel Sanders on his wall.
0: I I really do. Not Emmanuel you, Sanders, Case Keenum. Case Keenum does. He <laughs> well, I guess you do too. Now everybody Emmanuel knows. Sanders. I only have like two posters. <laughs> Um, I got one from the Steelers and one from the Broncos. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> uh, so um, you know, with that upgrade, uh, what you can look at on the Texans, we'll start with the Texans, is that since they lost Will Fuller, uh, you got Demarius Thomas who is coming over, and I think that his fantasy value increases on this team. Um, so Kiki Coochie is uh, possibly healthy, but possibly not. What it seems to me is that. Um, DeAndre Hopkins and whatever receiver is healthy on that team winds up being a, a good second option. So when we saw uh, Fuller banged up and Cootie healthy, Cootie was getting uh, peppered with thugs. It's
1: QT, by the way. QT, yeah.
0: Um, so I, I'm not really. Uh, if his name certain... was Cootie,
1: he probably had a really bad time in elementary school.
0: Well, I'm sure Kiki didn't help.
1: Yeah, but Cooties, like he got Cooties and. you know... Uh, like, <laughs> like no it's pronounced Q T. yeah because wouldn't you rather be Q T than cootie i think, I think everybody would the, his parents no it's p- cutie babe made a good decision
0: right so um kiki uh may end up stealing the work from thomas from time to time um, it all depends on how much Deshaun Watson likes throwing to Demarius Thomas. Really. I think
1: there's enough room, uh, to be honest. The team's doing really well. Deshaun Watson had an injury that he's still getting over, but seems to be doing better. Uh, they just routed uh, the Dolphins, and uh, that's not extremely hard to do. Uh, but I, I see Houston, like you said earlier, you know, coming back and, and winning all these games and, uh, and really becoming a great uh, team in the NFL this year so far. And well, Will Fuller had a lot to do with that. I, I do really think that Thomas, like you mentioned, is gonna have a, a big part in this offense now. And he may not have that kind of speed that Will Fuller has, but he'll still be able to draw the uh, um the uh, defensive backs away from DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. and he'll be able to make his own plays. And if Kiki QT comes in and, and he also, you know, boosts that offense in the slot, that's great. But even if he doesn't, uh, it just means that Houston can continue to actually win games.
0: And I, I, I suspect I need to look up the stats. But So, you know, DeAndre Hopkins is probably still going to draw double coverage pretty much all the time. But Demarius Thomas now, Y-I-U-S, okay. Uh, his name is always a struggle for me to spell, even though I've done Y-I-U-S, it hundreds of times. Y-I-U-S, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Demarius Thomas is a big dude. He's 6'3", 230. Uh, do you know Will Fuller's measurables, Dave? He's only six foot, 184. So uh, while Will Fuller was able to run past the uh, cornerback's Demarius Thomas doesn't even need to bother. He's just much larger.
1: No, but Fuller's a better route runner. Uh, you're going to have some complexity issues. I think he's a smarter football player than Thomas. Sure. But I totally agree with your... I think he
0: was a little differently. Um, but my my point that I'm trying to... I agree with your sentiment. ...arrive at is... They're both going to be... He's going to be single-covered a lot on a guy that is going to really struggle to cover him at all.
1: Uh-huh. Should be good. Yeah.
0: So, um... Coming up for Denver, uh, sorry, for Houston, they've got Denver this week uh, and then Washington and then Tennessee. Um, So those aren't necessarily super tough matchups. You know, Denver, they're going to focus on Hopkins for sure. Washington, they're going to put Josh Norman on Hopkins. So you're going to have a lot of room here for, and I agree with you, both receivers, QT and uh, Thomas, uh, can succeed, and that is going to rely on everyone being healthy. If there are if one of these three guys is unhealthy, then you know if if Watson is unhealthy, then everyone suffers a bit. But if one of the receivers is not healthy, I would almost ignore them. you know if they 're having problems, if they 're just kind of toughening it out in a game they 're probably not going to get targets
1: so we see positives for uh, Houston, which is great
0: yeah it 's a great trade for Houston uh, and I think this is going to be a good trade for the Broncos as well. Um, so obviously we've got Emmanuel Sanders. He's the number seven wide receiver all season. Uh, I don't see him improving, but you know, obviously when you've got the other main target out of the way, there um, it's smooth sailing for Emmanuel Sanders. He's a favorite of Case Keenum. Case Keenum has all the same posters that I have in his room, so um, you know it, it's very uh, special. But a poster that Case Keenum should consider getting: Cortland Sutton. Cortland has played very well this year so far uh, in the limited time that he's been given. So he's averaging 19.1 yards per catch. Um, Unfortunately, his ceiling has been three receptions. There's a lot of room to go up there. I think that he's going to be looking at the five catch a game sort of region now. Um, And the next three matchups, they're a mixed bag. I don't expect immediate results out of uh, Cortland Sutton, but I do expect him to play well and to be on the field a lot.
1: He's already fantasy relevant in a flex role in a PPR league, which means that now he'll move up into a wide receiver three position in, in uh, standard leagues based purely on prognostication. He has to prove himself, of course, to to become a positive wide receiver three flex position going forward. But he will be regularly ranked, I believe, as far as the fantasy experts are concerned, uh, between uh, 25 and 40 Uh, each week as we move forward here, if you're looking at wide receiver rankings and, and that really means for me that he's a guy that's expected to score, uh, eight to 10 points, um, in a, in a fantasy game. Yeah. Um, so I agree. The problem is he is moving up from the number three guy, so he generally will get better defensive backs on him and that could stymie the younger NFL wide receivers, but from what I've read about Cortland and from what we've seen already, uh, I don't think that that's going to be a huge deal.
0: Well, if he can run out of the slot, generally speaking, you get a uh, you get a lesser back from there.
1: So, for example, I have him ranked as uh, number thirty-two this particular week up against Houston. But we'll we'll see what happens. What's going to be really fun is to watch uh, Cortland Sutton as the number two wide receiver on the Denver Broncos, up against Demarius Thomas, the number two receiver on the Houston Texans. And it's just going to be a really fun game. And I think what I've heard from a lot of uh, beat reporters and, and everything is that we should expect to get a kind of a round of applause, standing ovation for Demarius Thomas because he's been great for Denver. So I'm, I'm actually looking forward to, sure. to flipping on that game and just seeing what kind of response the crowd gives. And uh,
0: Broncos fans are pretty classy. This, definitely this game uh give him a nice reception
1: this game who knows i mean it's it's one of those games that's crazy um you know already and now you're you're trading two two people on on those teams and you're putting them against each other it's going to be a crazy game that is
0: interesting the only thing i, I kind of suspect that thomas will have a very limited role because he just joined the team yesterday
1: he only has three routes man they already know that <laughs> it's going to be pretty easy for him to get involved in the offense i think it's like you go forward you go forward and break right. You go forward and you break left.
0: Uh, you can go forward and stop. Or, or forward and that... come back. Okay. But, but
1: four routes. You know, come on.
0: Fair enough. Uh, so that is in the 3 p.m. slot with the Chargers and Seahawks. Glenn
1: makes a good point that you know uh, marijuana is legal in Denver. And so they'll be really happy and uh, high-spirited about everything because they are high.
0: Because it's – yes. <laughs> uh, but the game to watch, obviously, on Sunday afternoon – is the Rams and the Saints. And then we get the Packers and the Patriots. Sundays have been so good this year, Dave. Monday nights, you can take them. Thursday nights are generally bad. But the Sundays have been so good.
1: Well, I mean, there's more games, so if one's bad, you can watch the others. I
0: mean, they put all the great (laughs) matchups on Sunday, which makes sense, but... Like you get those two games in a row, and it's just awesome.
1: I think we talked about this offline too with the larger group. But the problem is that the, even you know the NFL, which which has more statistics than we do handy, and uh, perhaps smarter people, maybe not. Um, they uh, they're still unable to make really good matchups on Thursday and Monday nights because it, it's all pre-calculated from the previous year. And once you get into the actual year, you always find out that those. Couple teams that you thought were going to be amazing, not good, not good at football. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you're right. Uh, Sundays have been great, and part of the reason for that is that the NFL is, continues to move towards a, a more more points league, a hands off league, a no body weight league, and everything's a catch league, um, <laughs> which is is good from our perspective. It's you arcady. know, as long as they don't take it too far, because I've I've always preferred NFL blitz. Uh, for short-time uh, console football games.
0: So you're getting ready for 30-yard first downs?
1: And, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I think that... 30-yard first downs, no rushing the quarterback. To keep everything excited, we've seen that trend. It's gone from uh, being a, a running back, defense-oriented game to more of a quarterback, uh, re- high receivers, high passing yards. And now this year, in particular, uh, most fantasy points, most points ever scored in the NFL, I think, in the history of the league.
0: Yeah, quarterbacks are going nuts. Kirk Cousins looks like he's going to break the completions record.
1: But we want this.
0: Andrew Luck might break the attempts record. We
1: made this happen. We did. And and so we should be happy about it. I am, dude. (laughs) I love it.
0: I want to see more Patrick Mahomes in the league. I was worried a couple years ago, like, oh, there's so many great quarterbacks and all the young quarterbacks, like, they only... They only shine for a year or two. I was always worried, but now you've got guys like Goff and Mahomes. The future looks great for the NFL.
1: You've got to be careful, though. Man. You're a red zone guy. You love watching red zone, but it's going to be tiered soon. It's going to be like uh, you know, you can pay $10 a month for the first 30 touchdowns, uh, $20 <laughs> a month from 30 to 50, and then if it's more than 50, you got to pay $50 a month. You, soon you're going to be paying extra money each month for all those touchdowns.
0: Oh, man. <laughs> As long as they remove the damn ads from Red Zone, you know that 's not gonna, doing the split screen
1: up. you know it 's not going to happen
0: red zone 's production quality <laughs> has gone way down this year. I love Scott Hansen. he does good commentary, but in years past, they would switch real rapidly from game to game when there was two games with something going on at the same time
1: well i don 't think it's Scott that's making that uh, I
0: agree it 's not scott 's fault he 's not the producer he 's not telling him what to put on the screen. But they do a lot of split screen, and I'm sorry, I'm getting older. My eyes aren't as good, or my TV is not quite as big. I only have a 50 inch TV. I guess I need a 70, you know. And that split screen, you can't see anything.
1: Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you're so up in arms about this. Uh, but but Glenn's right in the chat room. NFL squeezes the money out of everything. They're going to continue to do that. So uh, you're going to have to get a bigger TV. We're going to
0: get more Amazon Prime. You know, because they're no, not be getting gonna... Amazon Prime ad on. Red zone, and it's going to remind me to go buy a bigger TV. Yep. And the cycle
1: continues. 10% off, man.
0: Well, if they're giving me a deal. <laughs> <laughs> so, a trade that really tickled my schadenfreude uh, this week... There you go. ...was Ty Montgomery, from the Packers to the Ravens. Uh, last Saturday, before the games, definitely this trade was not going to happen. They were not shopping Ty Montgomery. Nobody thought he would be traded. Um, but by Tuesday, he was a goner. Because... Of the stupid, boneheaded play he made towards the end of the game, two o four left on the clock, decides to run it out of the end zone when he could have taken a knee, given them a play before the two minute warning, and most importantly, put the ball in Aaron Rodgers' hands.
1: Yeah, he messed up.
0: Yeah, that is that that that's the kind of play that gets you traded for a twenty twenty seventh round pick. So, props to Ozzie Newsome for knowing a deal when he sees one. And taking time Montgomery off his hands. But I thought that this could be like a Belichick situation where you screwed up and I'm going to send you to the worst team in the league. And the Ravens aren't the worst team in the league, but they're plummeting. So uh, um, let's look at the Ravens, what's going to happen with them. I, I don't know that uh, Montgomery, not that he was before, is going to be worthy of fantasy starts. Um, Alex Collins is pretty good right now.
1: Well, Buck Allen is the receiving back. He's going to continue to be the receiving back.
0: You don't think that Ty Montgomery would at least take place of Buck Allen?
1: No, they really like him. They trust the guy. I think Montgomery was traded there because he was cheap, and Montgomery will be used as a as a gadgety guy in depth on the running back team because the depth that they have right now is DeLance Turner and Gus Edwards, and have you ever heard of those players?
0: Lance Edwards and Gus Turner?
1: DeLance Turner and Gus Edwards. DeLance Turner. <laughs> no. You're I'm proving my gonna, point I'm for me. I'm just going
0: to stop. Uh, so yeah, he's uh, depth. I kind of suspected he would take Buck Allen's place, but you've got a point. Look, Montgomery's only owned in seventeen percent of Yahoo leagues. He's not worth rostering. He'll right
1: get now. out in the field, but I don't think I don't think he takes over a role that's already being played okay, you know, by by the incumbent. So uh, we
0: say status quo for the Ravens then?
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't. You might see Montgomery, and in if you're starting Buck Allen on a weekly basis, then you've got some issues anyway. So
0: what are you saying, Dave? are you poking fun at my team
1: are you starting buck allen on a weekly basis
0: (laughs) i really shouldn't admit this in a place where i'm trying to give people fantasy advice well look uh, not every week but uh way more often than i want well
1: is it a ppr league yeah it is a ppr league so he averages like five receptions a game that's not bad
0: when i drafted i went for you're gonna have
1: 10 points with buck allen so that's not bad
0: When I drafted, I went for the Seattle backfield, which was a big mistake.
1: Yeah, that's nobody, not even Seattle knows what that is.
0: I know. I mean, it's worked, it's been nice the last couple weeks, but that doesn't (laughs) help me in my two and six record.
1: Well, I should mention to the audience, right, that um, Jason and I both play in uh, six, seven, eight, nine, ten fantasy football leagues a year, so there's bound to be a team or two that doesn't do very well, and... Even if you have a team that's doing well, Buck Allen as a flex position over the past several weeks in PPR is not that bad of a thing. So I'm going to give you a pass on this one, sure. but, but it's, Ideally, it's nice that you can admit it.
0: Matt Breida and Chris Carson on that team, right? which is not really ideal for anyone, let's be honest. But,
1: but I don't think Montgomery takes over the position. I don't think that happens.
0: Um, okay. I I I could totally see that. I definitely am not here to push the Time Montgomery agenda. <laughs> <laughs> so uh over on the Packers, their fantasy impact from this move. Um so ever since the days of Eddie Lacey, you've thought that there's gotta be a lot of value there in the backfield. Just like uh we look at the tight end position, they go, There's gotta be value there. Aaron Rodgers throws the ball all over the place. Where are the you know, where are these people? Uh, who are getting the points, but it's been fool's gold for the last several years. Um, So Montgomery was averaging six touches per game, and those are going to go somewhere, um, but I don't think that they go to Aaron Jones exclusively, um, and I don't think that Jamal Williams sees enough of a bump uh, in order to matter. So uh, Ty Montgomery, just like he's not going to do much to add much to the Ravens, he's not really taking much away from... uh, from the Packers, other than taking the ball away from um, Aaron Rodgers. So, the lesson here is don't fuck with Aaron Rodgers so that you don't get traded.
1: Yeah, and again, uh, if you look at the running backs uh, that they have on the team, the guy who's getting some other looks, his name is Darius Jackson uh, on the Packers. Really, it's just going to be split between Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. And those people that Jamal Williams started, and a lot of people said, Jamal Williams, he's going to be great. He's going to be the running back. And then Jamal Williams wasn't so great. Aaron Jones comes back. He becomes healthy. He's going to be the running back. He's going to be great. You know, oh,
0: I carried Jamal Williams and Matt Breda over the offseason in the Dynasty League, and I'm all ready for these young stud running backs to really – get after it
1: well there are a couple they're just their names are Saquon Barkley (laughs) yeah you know uh (laughs) like when you get down that far uh they're just a hope and a prayer
0: really this year more than a lot of the last few years the the guys who were drafted high at running back are the guys who are playing well at running
1: back so Jones and Williams will probably continue to split carries and and opportunities and uh Green Bay is one of those hot hand uh offenses where they don't really care about anointing someone the number one they're just going to do whatever they feel like doing
0: i do think that they need to get the ball to aaron jones more if anything if you need to force feed one of them but but even
1: even though that's the case like last game jamal williams did better it just happens right there's no there's no rhyme or reason and half of that is probably they think team's gonna game plan against aaron jones play jamal williams we don't care (laughs) <laughs> we
0: have Aaron Rodgers who
1: cares yeah we're passing the ball what what do you guys think we're We're going to become a running back defense oriented team <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're the Packers Green Bay has like arguably the best quarterback history of any team they're never going to be a running team um so I, I do think Aaron Jones obviously is going to be rostered everywhere I don't think he should be starting a lot of places and I don't think Jamal Williams is even really worthy of many roster spots
1: only if you're good at gambling, you start one of them. If you're good at gambling, <laughs>
0: if you're good at guessing,
1: well, no one's good at gambling. This is my, you know, secret. This is the so, point. Yeah.
0: Okay, so the biggest trade that you know, the biggest fantasy impact trade, could be the Golden Tate trade from the Lions to the Eagles. Um, so he's definitely the best def- offensive player. The most impactful
1: trade, anyway.
0: Yeah, I, I suppose you could argue that Thomas may have a, a large impact because that's going to create two. More relevant fantasy players but golden tate is easily the best of these players that we've mentioned today um so uh tate was averaging 10.5 points per game this season uh he's in the top 25 uh i didn't know that this trade was on the books i was surprised to see golden tate traded
1: it's been mentioned that either jones or tate were on the block because they love galladay yeah and it looks like it was tate yeah and, yeah. uh, but but really, we talked about this before too. I think the reason why it happened was because he was going to be a free agent after this year, and so they just decided uh, we're not going to win the championship. Here's a third round pick; otherwise, we get nothing.
0: Right, and that makes a lot of sense. Um, so, but he was
1: really good for them.
0: And the other reason that teams do that, I believe, is that um, they you know how if you let someone go in free agency, you get bad compensatory picks unless you gain more in free agency than you have lost. Mm-hmm. So teams like the Packers who got rid of Clinton Dix and the Lions who get rid of Tate are probably going to be buyers at the free agency in the free agency market next offseason. Probably. Um, so uh, what you get here is an Eagles team who has a ridiculous Super Bowl hangover. And Dave, uh, you probably have had a hangover or two in your life. I certainly have had several. Um, you know, sometimes when that hangover is really bad, you just have to try something. You have to try somebody's cure. <laughs> and the cure that they came up with today was oh, well, let's try a little Golden Tate.
1: All right, Golden Tate seems to be the new hotness. Uh, a little bacon and an orange juice. You know, are you looking for like a Bloody Mary and a shot of vodka? Do you need to uh, run three miles, go play around at Frisbee Golf? Or draft Golden Tate, or uh, sorry, trade for Golden Tate. Trade for Golden
0: Tate. You never know what's going to work.
1: I think it sounds like a good hangover cure to me.
0: No matter what about hangover cures, you know, as long as they take a lot of time, you're better off at the end of it.
1: Tate has always seemed like, uh, you know, that guy you want to have on your team, though. He's just great.
0: He is really good at yards (laughs) after the catch. Um, So I had a nice little comparison here. So uh, what's going to end up happening in the Eagles, I'm not really sure, to be honest with you, because uh, both... Jeffrey and Aguilar can play out of the slot. Jeffrey does play as a wide out more often, um, and Jeffrey's great this year. We don't have to worry about him losing much uh, work, but Nelson Aguilar um, is averaging, I believe, uh, 9 yards per catch, and Golden Tate is around 12 yards per catch. Both guys are catching the ball near the line of scrimmage. That extra 3 yards per catch that Golden Tate is getting it is pure uh, yards after the catch. It is the skill that he brings to the table that Aguilar doesn't.
1: Well, Aguilar, too, if you look at targets uh, week one and two, he had 10 and 12 targets respectively. Week four, he had 12 targets, five, six, seven, and eight, four, five, seven, and six targets respectively. Um, As they're moving from passing the ball to Aguilar to bringing it back to Alshon Jeffrey as a wide receiver, one, uh, over those same weeks, eight, 12, and 10, and five. Yeah. Jordan Matthews, who's a the guy they picked up who used to be on the Eagles, moved to the Patriots, got injured, back to the Eagles. Uh, he is also a good big-bodied slot uh, uh, possession receiver, but I think they looked at him and said, we need this. Um,
0: Tate is far more talented than the than, than Aguilar and...
1: Yeah, so so we need this, and it's not working. And and uh, we have Jeffrey back. And how do we become a team that can then once more, you know, get far in the playoffs? And and the the way for them to do that is to have another guy to bounce those passes off. That's not Alshon Jeffrey. That has a little more experience and viability uh, in every game situations. And Golden Tate is a great choice. But I do think that Golden Tate um, will stay the same or go down a little bit uh, as far as. Uh, uh, how many fantasy points a game he gets. Yeah. But in PPR, I mean, he's still going to be an every week starter. There's no no difference here. Um, he's got a, a good quarterback throwing the ball to him, just like he did before. So it's it's going to be fine.
0: What I would worry about is.
1: But it's not going to be a positive result here for, for yeah, Tate. Yeah, I
0: don't think he gains any ground because uh, part of Tate's strength, as I keep saying, is. That and Ertz. He gets the yards after the catch. And what we. The way that that works best is when. A quarterback can hit you in stride, and you can just be running full speed with the ball. You don't have to worry about stopping to find uh, a way to go or juking around a guy. Uh, So that takes time. That takes a good rapport with the quarterback. Obviously, Golden Tate has now had like one day of practice with Carson Wentz. So um, it's going to take some time to develop that relationship. And I would expect to see his production dip a little bit, as we're saying. Um, so Golden Tate's still going to be an every week starter, probably, especially in PPR. Um, so looking at the Lions, um, Stafford is averaging 273 yards per game. That's a lot to go around. Marvin Jones is going to see a little bump. I do believe that Kenny Galladay is going to be the main recipient of more time here. Um, and then there's another guy. Uh, where is it? Uh, Brandon Powell. He's a free agent punt returner. Um, That's, this is
1: a wish and a prayer, by the way. He
0: may get some look <laughs> in the slot. I'm not saying pick him up. I'm just saying, you know, who's that guy in the slot? It's Brandon Powell.
1: No, it's T.J. Jones who has been playing the slot role on an every week basis uh, and getting all the targets. Brandon Powell only played in one game this year. He I, is
0: not lined up as wide receiver
1: yet. And and so there's no targets. So the the point being, I think you're getting that news from from uh, from headlines and things saying. Um, uh, from Tate saying like this was my understudy. I love this guy. He's great, and it's awesome that Tate did that uh, as kind of a going away present you think for there, Brandon. They got
0: to at least give him. A tr- I'm not. I'm tr- not trying to say he's fantasy relevant.
1: No, I'm just telling you that the guy who actually is playing slot underneath Tate is T.J. Jones. But okay. but there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, of hype going on about Brandon Powell because I think fantasy football heads like us want to be the guy that unearths someone. And sure. so they're like they're like you know what sure. he's, he's never played a snap as a wide receiver, but now he's going to suddenly be fantasy relevant, right? Because I think so. Who's the next Josh Gordon? Josh Gordon.
0: No, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the the guy who I think is going to scoop up a lot of these targets uh, on the Lions is going to be Theo Riddick. You know, he can do the third down work. He can do the short yardage work. He can catch the ball over the middle. Um, I, I think that you are going to see Theo Riddick become. Uh, the PPR back that he was a couple years ago.
1: So he's injured, right? But like the first two weeks, for example, he had seven targets and then 12 targets. So clearly that, you're absolutely right. He's going to resume that role, uh, even maybe at a higher capacity. And then some of those other targets will go to Jones and Galladay, making this a two wide receiver offense instead of a three wide receiver offense, which ultimately is beneficial for anyone who owns Uh, Riddick, Jones, or Galladay. And it's not going to really damage Matt Stafford as far as I can tell. So uh, I I really like this trade for fantasy football owners on the Lions.
0: Yeah, so Theo Riddick right now only owned in 8% of leagues. He's injured. He has not practiced since week 5. Today he returned to practice. There you go. They're aiming to bring him back this week, but even if it's next week, pick up Theo Riddick right now. While it doesn't cost you any money off of your fab budget, it doesn't cost you your waiver spot. And uh, you can just kind of hold on to him and see what happens.
1: Yeah, he's, he's good. Uh, he's, Jason's absolutely right there. And Kerryon Johnson has been great. In fact, he had eight receptions, or sorry, eight targets in week eight. Uh, so they are passing the ball to him as well. But the Lions, although they love Kerryon Johnson, always want to have that other number two running back for the third downs and to fill in for slot and to even line up as a receiver. That's Theo Riddick.
0: So it was a really fun trade deadline. I had a great time uh keeping an eye on it and talking about it. Um maybe next year we live tweet during the trade deadline and uh get, I did. get more people involved. I'm I'm a jerk when it comes to Twitter. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> well, you I always think it's a great idea that's just heads of happening.
1: If you want to <laughs> if you want to hang out on social media with Drink 5, please do. Jason's just not involved in that. That's all.
0: I <laughs> I am not a fan of social media oh boy i don 't know that 's a different conversation a <laughs> different podcast entirely
1: um, but yes, uh, so we are uh, quite active on twitter in fact we've uh, we 've doubled our followers since the beginning of this year, so please jump on the drink Five train Damn, dave good job well it 's not only that but but us doing well in general um, as uh, fantasy football experts on fantasy pros. I do want to shout out that every single week my picks are up there. And because I've been a top 10 expert a couple times, I end up getting a lot of followers from people that follow Fantasy Pros, Roto World, all the people giving us shout outs. We appreciate it.
0: Very nice. Uh, So you got anything else you want to touch on? No, but I will
1: say that uh, next week I think should be a fun podcast. On uh, Wednesday, uh, November, I don't know what the date is. November 7th. So you said the... You said the date at the beginning of the show, and I'm like, no, I have to say the date. It's October 31st. Okay. Come on.
0: It's an easy one. Today is Halloween. (laughs) Uh, But yes, next week on the 7th, we're going to be joined uh, by Jim Hutchins. He's going to come here to Studio 1105. And, uh, (laughs) you know, he'll be here on the show. Um, We're going to try and get a few of the other Drink 5 uh, contributors on before the end of the year. Um, And, uh, you know, good luck with all your teams this week. All right. Good luck, guys. Because I don't think we play each other. So good luck.